Happy Easter, everybody. Awesome. We got the crowd that's awake, right? No, you know, it's so funny, though, because with Easter, we actually think about the morning more than ever, don't we? Like, when and you start off on Easter, 2,000 years later, we always start off and we're just like, Happy Easter! He is risen, right? And if you went to church, if you grew up in church, I say, He is risen, and you say... He is risen indeed. All right. So, but what's interesting is even in churches, what we did is we had sunrise services, right? Do you guys remember those? Anybody have a sunrise service? You guys probably don't because you're at the noon service, so I understand that. <laughs> you're probably glad we don't have sunrise service, especially when it's 36 degrees in the morning. Um, but we had sunrise services so that as soon as the sun would break, we could wake up and just go, praise God, Jesus Christ is risen. Hallelujah. It's just, it starts off early. But what's interesting is that's not how the first Easter started. It started early in the morning, but it did not start with this great celebration that Jesus Christ is alive. Let's look at this. It's in Luke chapter 24. It starts off and it says, on the first day of the week. In fact, you know what, actually, before I, before I read this, let's just pray. Let me just pray real quick for us, and then we'll ask God to come and just really bless his word. Oh, God, what a glorious, beautiful day. And, Lord, it's true. When the sun rises, it does give us a glimpse into this reality that we're going to look at today, that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. But, God, I just want to ask you, out of your intense, passionate, perfect, and holy love for everyone who's in this room, would you just come this, this afternoon and just bring what only you can bring. Open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see you, so that we can know you, so that we can receive from you. And we just pray, God, that your perfect will really would be done, and we're just going to rest in that. Anoint these words in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, so that's why we have sunrise services right there. The woman took the spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their face to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. See, what's interesting is when the women first got to the tomb, They didn't go, hallelujah. (laughs) They didn't go, Christ is risen. In fact, in Mark, it says that they were trembling and they were bewildered. They didn't get it. In Matthew, it says they were afraid, yet they were filled with joy. It was this weird thing like, what is going on? In fact, in John, it says that we, the women, when they showed up to the apostles, it says, we don't know where they've put him. See, for us, it's Easter morning, and we're like, woohoo! For the women, when they showed up at the tomb, this freaked them out. 
and they didn't understand what was happening. And they had tons of questions. So then they tell the apostles in the next verse, chapter 24, verse 11 says, that the apostles did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. I love it. The, 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 the 12 disciples that we think that Jesus told, hey, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to die and I, I'm going to rise again three days later. When the women came and told him that, that he wasn't there, they said, this is nonsense. And then verse 12, you got Peter, because Peter's always the guy who's like, well, I'll fix this, right? So he jumps up and he got up and he ran to the tomb. But bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So you guys, Easter morning 2,000 years ago actually started off with nonsense. Easter was nonsense. The idea of the resurrection was absolute nonsense. Now, just for a second, if you're a Christian here today, I want you to think about what we actually believe. Have you done this lately? Do you guys realize how nonsensical it is what we believe? Let's think about this. We actually believe that a guy was born and entered into this world and a male and female conception did not take place. Okay? Do you guys understand? We all believe that. We believe that a guy was miraculously born into this world. And then at the end of his life, we believe that he didn't have a near-death experience. We don't, we're not saying that he died because some people have flatlined, right? And then they've died and they've actually come back to life and then just to die again. That's not what we're saying about Jesus. We're saying that Jesus Christ died and he rose again to live forever. Do you guys understand? That's crazy talk. And some of you are here today and you're going, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm just here with my friend. You guys are nuts, right? And you know what's so great about that? Is you're, if you think that, you're in good company. <laughs> I mean, the actual disciples felt like the same thing. This is nonsense. The women who loved Jesus said, this is crazy. I don't get it. What is going on? And I want to tell you, man, it is nonsense. If there's no God, then this whole stuff is, it is nonsense. And it's also nonsense if there is a God, but he has to play at our level. See, this resurrection of Jesus Christ makes no sense if God has to follow the rules and play at our level. And can I just ask you a question? Do you really want a God who can only do what humans can do? Is that the type of God you want? See, God makes sense, he does, but he is beyond our sense. And I know for me, it's like, why would I want to worship a God who is limited to human ability? (laughs) See, what we're saying is that there is a God, and he makes sense, but he goes beyond that. And so it's kind of like math. Do you guys remember doing multiplication? You know, you're working, my girls are kind of young. They're in elementary school, and they're they're working on all their multiplication tables. Do you remember the first time? I can still see this. My, My teacher goes up on the blackboard, and she writes, five times X equals 15. Do you remember that? And you look at that, and you go, X? What is that? You know what it is? It's, it's. It's what? No, no, no. It's nonsense. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) That was great. Hey, y'all got it right. You're right. It is three. That that was good. That was good. Oh, that was great. 
No, but I've never uh, been in school and just going, wait, how can a letter be a number, right? Do you remember that? It just was so confusing. didn't make any sense. Now, multiplication made sense. We just didn't realize there's a whole depth of arithmetic and math that's just beyond us. And that's kind of like what it is with God. See, we live in this world, and there's certain things that can happen, and there's certain things that can't happen. And we know what those are. And men rising from the dead is one of those things that can't happen. So the question, is God limited to the natural? And if he is, then the resurrection is nonsense. But if God is supernatural, then maybe it can make sense. And so that's what we want to look at here today. See, because what eventually happened is those who thought the resurrection was nonsense became the very founders of a faith built on the resurrection. (laughs) They go, this doesn't make any sense. And days later, they're going, this makes all the sense in the world. Even the person who was the enemy of this whole movement, his name was Saul. And he, he, he was so against this rising up of Christianity that he was murdering Christians. He was having them stoned to death. He was doing everything that he could to squelch this movement. He didn't buy it at all. And then, just a f- days later, Saul turns into Paul, and he ends up writing the New Testament to help us to understand the resurrection. How does that happen? How do people who say this couldn't be found a faith on the very thing they didn't believe in? How is it that a person who wants to squelch it and literally is killing people turn into the main founder of our faith? Their answer was, We had face-to-face encounters with Jesus Christ, and he has risen from the dead. Listen to what Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians 13, 5 through 8, or 15, 3 through 8. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which means Peter, And to the twelve. And then after that, he appeared, listen to this, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Now, and then now check out this last line and get ready for this, because that was a critical thing. Why, why was he saying that? He goes, and then he goes on, most of whom are still living. See, so Paul was writing this, he's saying, you guys, Jesus Christ appeared. Peter, apostles, you would expect that. He appeared to 500 people at the same time. And just in case you're wondering, most of them are still alive. Go ask them. (laughs) Talk to them. See, because in our own court of law, what we're looking for are eyewitnesses. Now, I got to tell you, if one eyewitness came and said, hey, I saw Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead, you'd be like, ah, you know, you're a little loony. Two get up and you're like, okay, you guys conspired to put this together. Okay, after 378 of them do it, You'd have to be going, okay, what's going on here? Go talk to them. They're still alive. He goes on to say, then he appeared to James, who was Jesus' brother, and then to all the apostles, and then last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. See, there's one reason that the Christian faith started, and it was because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now still, though, for 2,000 years, people have been struggling with this. 
and we just, we find ourselves, something inside of us is just, man, this can't happen. And yet what's interesting, you guys, is if, they, if this didn't happen, then I'm telling you, the biblical accounts that we have of these, they're nonsense. They don't make any sense unless this resurrection actually took place. Think about it. So if you're going to start a new movement and a new faith, one of the things you're going to want to do, right, is you're going to want to get some followers, right? You're going to want to get some people who buy this and are, are, are going to join you. And so the last thing you would do in this culture, uh, and I apologize to you women, but hopefully you might even understand how much Jesus actually elevated the very stature, excuse me, of women. In that day, women couldn't even testify in a court of law. If a woman stood up in a court of law and, and gave her testimony, it was completely thrown out. And so here's what's interesting. If you wanted to start a movement why do you start your story by saying it was women who experienced Christ first and they were the ones to came and tell us all about this? See, that's nonsense. If you're just trying to get a movement going, you don't start off with something like that. And then if you're trying to get a movement going, you probably want to give yourself some credibility, right? You want to show yourself that you're worth following. You've got some character qualities, right? That are worth leadership. And, and, and so follow me. And yet when you read the accounts, the disciples are saying about themselves that we were so scared that we were hiding. We fled. We deserted him. We lost hope. We lost faith. Follow us. You know, I mean, how's that work? See, the, the accounts don't make any sense. And so people look at that and they struggle with that. And then they say, well, maybe Jesus just didn't die. Maybe he didn't die. So, but did you guys, do you know anything about the crucifixion? About what it was like to be, to go through that? If you've watched The Passion, if you were here on Friday night and you got to see The Passion, the whipping, the scourging that took place, many men couldn't survive just the beatings before they even got on the cross. I mean, they would take this cat of nine tails and literally rip the flesh off your back and then keep going. They wouldn't stop. And they go into your muscles and then get to your organs. I mean, it was just horrific. And if somehow you survived the beating, then they took like railroad spikes and they put them through your wrists and where your nerves are just crazy and right through your feet. And they go up there on the cross, and, and, and these were professional executioners. This is what these people did for their living. And they did it over and over again. And this is really interesting, that as a Roman executioner, if you failed, if somehow the person got off the cross and they weren't dead, you know what happened to them? They were executed. You were not going to let a person off the cross unless you knew they were dead. And so they had this thing where they would know, and if they saw that there was still any movement at all, any breathing, then they would break the legs so the person would fall down, and so they couldn't push up to breathe anymore, and then they would suffocate to death. But they get to Jesus, these professionals, and they realize this guy is already completely dead. So they take a spear, and they put it in his side, and blood and water flow out of his heart cavity, helping us to know that his heart isn't beating anymore. The man is dead. 
And if that's not enough, when you took them off the cross, the whole burial process is you took these cloths, linen, and you wrapped it all around them. And within the layers of the linen, you put 75 pounds worth of spices all over the place. So if Jesus wasn't dead, if he, are, if he made it through the scourging, if he made it through the nailing of his hands and his feet and the constant suffocation, if he made it through the spear in his side, now you're getting all wrapped up with 75 pounds of spices laid on top of you you're put inside of a tomb. Okay, now I just want to tell you, you can say, I just don't think he died. You can, but you, can you see where it's like, I think it almost takes more faith to believe that there wasn't a death there than that there was. And so then some people, oh, and here's the other thing. So let's just say he wasn't dead. Let's say he went through all of that and he wasn't dead yet. How impressive would he look? I mean, if you've seen any movie or gone through any experience, uh, someone who goes through that, all they do today is you'd lay them in a hospital and you'd wrap them up and they'd lay on a bed and you'd hear beep, beep, and we'd just be trying to help them to live. How would a dead or a beat-up body like that inspire, inspire men and women to give their life away for that? Instead, they would just go, I'm so sorry, and they would take care of them. Now, so if it is, some people just go, okay, he, he didn't die. So, well, if he died, then maybe the disciples stole his body. <laughs> That's how it happened. But see, but you, the problem with that idea is that they, the Romans actually put guards around the tomb. And it says they put a guard around the tomb. And by the way, it wasn't, you know, how the pictures we have, a guy's in a skirt with a spear, you know, <laughs> and he's kind of standing there. See, that's not the picture. A Roman guard was four to 16 trained military soldiers. And what they would do is four of them would stand around whatever they were guarding. Then four would sleep and they'd lay here and then another four and then another four. So if anybody tried to even get to the thing they were guarding, they'd have to wake up the other soldiers. It was just, they took this very seriously. Now I know fishermen and tax collectors can be tough, but really? How are those guys going to come against a trained military Roman guard and steal the body? See, again, okay, but that seems like nonsense. And so then people will say, okay, well, then maybe it must have just been a conspiracy. These guys somehow must have just come up with this scheme and with this lie to, 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 to create this new faith based on Jesus Christ. See, guys, the problem with that is this. Anybody who lies, and we've all lied, right? But when you lie, you're always doing it so that you can get some sort of selfish advantage. Or you lie to protect somebody. You could do that. See, the problem with this story, if we're saying, hey, these guys, this didn't happen. Jesus didn't really die, or he didn't really rise from the dead. These guys were just making this thing up. They were, it was a total lie. You guys, they were getting absolutely no self-advantage from this move. And they weren't protecting anybody. They went through horrific abuse and persecution and physical pain. Then many of them, most of them, actually ended up getting executed themselves. Why? And people would say, people will lie for something that isn't true as long as they believe it's true. But when you know that something isn't true, you won't lie to the point where you will lose your life. You just won't do that. And so, this is, was it really a conspiracy when there was no advantage for them? And the other problem with this, you guys, is the Jews and the Romans, man, they wanted to squelch this thing. 
The Jewish leaders hated this idea. They're the ones who actually put Jesus on the cross in the first place. And so in the Romans, if there was ever an uprising during that time, immediately they would take all their power and they would squelch it down. And so if that's the case, and here, then why weren't they stopping it? And here's the issue, you guys. The apostles weren't going around and they weren't, they weren't claiming Jesus' teachings. They weren't talking about his miracles. They weren't saying about, look at how good of a guy he was and his moral behavior. We should live like Jesus. That's not what they were saying. You know what their message was? They had one message, and it was this. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He is alive. And you know what the Jewish leaders were doing? They were saying, shut up! Seriously, we've had enough of this thing. So they bring the guys in, and they'd scourge them, and they'd beat them, and they'd say, don't say this anymore. And you know what the disciples would say? Can't listen to you. We have seen him, and we're going to declare this message. And you know what's crazy? Is all the Romans and the Jews needed to do was just show the body. If they wanted to squelch, squelch this rebellion, all they had to do was find this body, and it has never been found. Now, you guys, so if you today, and I don't, if you struggle with this idea, and, and Lad and I, when we were talking about this, we know that many people think, man, Jesus was a good teacher, and we should learn from him, and his, and his, and his messages are great, and yeah, if we would live like Jesus, then the world would be a better place, and all of that, I think, is really true. But what you have to wrestle with is that the actual faith of Christianity is founded not on Jesus' teachings and is founded not on his moral behavior and it's not founded on his miracles, okay? The birth of the Christian church was founded on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, now this is really important to understand because you know what religion does? Religion kind of comes in when there's something that's undeniable, okay? This is happening, and yet it's unexplainable. When something is undeniable, and yet it's unexplainable, then religion comes in, and we come up with theories, and we come up with ideas, and we, we think, okay, well, maybe this is why that happened. Christianity was not based on a theory. It was not based even on Jesus' teachings. It was based on a historical event that took place in a city that you can visit today. And that's different. That's different. So you can deny that Jesus rose again. Obviously, you have the freedom to do that. But I don't think that you can deny that his disciples were absolutely certain that he did. Their whole message of the, of the resurrection was based on that fact. And you guys, and here's, and here's why the resurrection of Christ is so important. That he wasn't just a good guy or a good example or a nice teacher, okay? The resurrection goes to show us that this was not any ordinary man. Then if he wasn't an ordinary man, this was not just an ordinary death. I mean, we've all been to funerals and we've seen tons of people die. And throughout history, billions of people have died. But this one rose from the dead. And so what that means is, when he died, this guy was actually who he claimed to be. And that is God in the flesh. And so in his death, there was something way more powerful happening than if you died or when I die. 
And what was happening was in that moment, Jesus Christ was able to take on all the sin of the whole world. He could die for us. See, you can't do that for me. You, you can't die for me. You know, Larry, you're a great guy. But you know what? If you die, I'm not off. You know, I don't gain anything from you dying. You know, there's a lot of nice people in here. But your death does me no good because you got your junk just like I got my junk. But when Jesus Christ died, it was a different death. And it was a death that was a sacrifice. And it was a death to be the savior of the world, to take your sin upon him so that you will never be punished for your sin. And nobody else can do that for you but Jesus. And we go, well, how do we know? How do we know? You know because of the resurrection. And here's the other thing, you guys, is so great. The resurrection of Christ proves to us when he ascended into heaven, it shows us that he is still alive today. He's still alive today. See, what Jesus did, and why we celebrate this weekend, is he took care of everything that was keeping me separated from God, my sin, and he totally died for it, totally offering complete forgiveness for my sin. And at the same time, by living, by rising again and being alive, he says that he can now live inside of you. And now, can I just say again, is that not nonsense? (laughs) I mean, when you think about this, the Bible even said, this is a mystery. And that word means you can't figure it out. It has to be revealed to you. But I'm telling you, the hope of life, the hope of glory, is that Jesus Christ can live inside of you. And that, thank you, that is why we celebrate Easter. And you know what's crazy, you guys? The other thing is just to see is why did these guys transform so radically? I mean, you've got Peter, right? And Peter was this guy. I don't know if you remember, if you know the story or not, but when Jesus was being led to be crucified, Peter followed him closely and he was standing by this fire and this little maiden, a woman, little woman, maiden comes up to him and says, hey, weren't you, I know you, you're one of his followers. And what did Peter say? Hey, no, I'm not. I know absolutely nothing about him. Three times people came to him to the point where he called curses down. He was so scared of even a maiden. He wanted not to be identified with Christ at all. And then days later, Peter is the one standing right in front of the people who executed Christ. He stands in the Sanhedrin and he says, you murdered Jesus Christ. Where did he get that boldness? Did you guys know that the Jesus' own brothers didn't buy it at all. The whole time he was on earth, they thought he was crazy. They tried to get him to stop doing what he was doing. And James, one of those that Jesus appeared to, his own brother eventually becomes the leader of the church, boasting Jesus Christ as the savior of the world. How did that change happen? I already told you about Saul. How does the guy, how does the guy who wants to murder Christians become the one who's now helping Christians to know who Jesus Christ is. There's a change that takes place. When you believe in Jesus Christ, and the Bible says, when you believe in Him and believe that He was the Son of God and believe that God raised Him from the dead and you put your faith in Him, that His very Spirit comes and He changes 
your life. And you know what's cool? That's been going on for 2,000 years. Here's the other thing that's nonsense. For 2,000 years, people from all over the globe have been saying that they are encountering the risen Christ in their life. And he's transformed them. He's set them free. He's renewed them. He's given them hope and life and made their life new. And you know what's so cool? That's been happening right here. 2,000 years later, right here in Salt Lake City, in this little church called K2, God has been moving and changing people's lives because Jesus is still alive today. And we're going to celebrate that right now. Let's watch this. You know, you guys, um, my journey hasn't been anything like the, uh, the apostles or the disciples. But when I think back, man, the last thing I wanted to be was a Christian. Anybody else relate to that? Like, why in the world would you want to be a Christian? I remember being young and just being like, are you kidding me? I got to dress like that? Yeah. I got to listen to that music? Um, but more than that, my fear was just like, man, if I accept Christ, I didn't know one other guy in my school who believed in Jesus, you know. God, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> but man, I'm telling you, when he showed up, and he starts moving in your heart, I did everything I could to stay in my seat and say, I can't, I'm, there's no way I'm doing this. But when the risen Christ makes himself real to you, it's like, what do you do? And I found myself surrendering and making that decision to let Christ really come into my life. And oh my goodness. You know, 36 years later, I've been experiencing God really in my life for over 30 years. In the journey, in the adventure, this, this, on oh, so many facets, like, and it just never ends. Where this God is constantly loving me, constantly trying to be the one who can help me get over all the hang-ups in my life and all the stuff in me that I just don't like, that makes me not loving. See, you guys, the reason that there's hope because of the resurrection is because there now is one who's greater than anything that you face in your life. He's greater than your troubles. He's greater than your pain. He's greater than your fears. He's greater than all of your questions. One of the greatest things to know is that Jesus Christ is greater and has more power than sin. And see, you and I, we have this stuff inside of us. There's something in there that just makes us do things we don't even want to do. And we end up living a life we don't want to live. And there's this thing in, called, us, called sin inside of us that makes us so consumed with ourselves that we're not free to love other people and so all of our relationships fall apart. 
Or if they're not falling apart, they're just struggling. And so there's this... And and what's so cool is here's Jesus who never once sinned. That's why he could rise from the dead. There was no sin within him to keep him down. And so now he lives in us to help us have power over sin. See, that's really good news. See, Jesus is the only one who wasn't swayed by the world. He wasn't swayed by men's opinions. He always did what the Father wanted him to do. And what the Father wants us to do is always what's good and right and true. And why I love Easter, why I worship Jesus, and why on this day we remember that he rose from the dead, it's because not only is he greater than everything that you're struggling with in your life, Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, the reason he is a risen Lord is because he lives in you. When you receive Christ, he actually comes and takes residence in your heart. I mean, I said the verse up there, but Romans 6, it says, we are therefore buried with baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. Paul's testimony was this. He goes, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And that is the hope. That's the hope that you have for this world. That's why we worship him, because he can live inside of us. And then the last thing, you guys, is Jesus' resurrection guarantees us that there's something more after this world. Thank you, God. There's something more after this world. Now, you know what? Some of you may not care right now, but I'm telling you, when someone you love is laying in the casket, that's when you want to know there's something more. When my mom, who was the only one who I knew loved me, died, you want to know that she's okay. And you want to know that this world is not all there is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you receive him into your life, the Bible says he's a first fruit of what's to come. If he has been raised, if he's living inside of you, he will raise your life too. And if he's not there, then the resurrection power to be raised again is not there. So on this day, you guys, I just want to tell you, you can deny that Jesus rose from the dead. You can deny that he was the son of God. I don't know if you can deny that his disciples thought that though. They believed it with every fiber of their being. And a faith that now has over a billion people believing this started because of their testimony that Jesus Christ has risen. And the only reason K2 exists is because we're saying, yes, he has. And he's living on us now. And he can live in you too. So here's why we went out. We're going to close our service and we're going to give ourselves a chance to worship him. And here's what I'd love for you to do. If you're sitting here today and you're just going, you know what? I don't know if I've ever wrestled with this reality of Christ. And I want him in my life. There's a white card on these chairs. You can fill out your name, put some contact information on the other side at the bottom. There's a box that says, I would love to know more about knowing Christ. I would love to know more about knowing Jesus Christ. If you want to make a decision to put your faith in him, or if you want to talk about that, would you fill that out? Just check that box. And as our our greeters come forward, guys, come on forward. Um, We're going to take our offering here in a minute. And you can put that card in there, and we will make sure that someone contacts you.
so that we can help you discover what it is to have faith in Jesus Christ. All right? And then the last thing I want to do is this while our greeters come forward. We're going to take our offering, which is we just do it every week. It's another tangible way for us just to tell God we love him and for him to take the resources that we have and use them to make a difference in this world. But here's what I'd love for you to do. Would you all just bow your heads with me just real quick? I'm just going to pray for us before we worship. But I just know, I just know for me, when I was sitting in the seat and I knew that Jesus was actually bugging my heart and that I needed to make a decision to invite him into my life. I needed someone to challenge me to do that. And I just want to ask you right now, if you have never made a decision for Christ before, but sitting here this Easter afternoon, you're saying, you know what? I want to believe. I believe that Jesus was a son of God and I believe that he raised him from the dead and I am not going to deny it anymore and I need to put my faith in him. Would you just do me a favor? Everybody just bow your heads. Just raise your hand real quick if you would like today to put your faith in Jesus Christ. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving the world so much that you sent your son so that we could live. We worship you today, Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. There's nobody else who has taken on the sacrifice and risen again to live inside us with the power of the resurrection inside us. So we worship you, we thank you, we praise you, and we ask you, Jesus, have your way in us. Just have your way in us. Give us the life that you lived right now. We worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.